Hello, everybody. Welcome to tonight's MHTV. Really glad to have you with us as ever. Um, tonight, we're going to be looking at, well, through the eyes of student nurses. That'd be quite an interesting thing to do, I think. Um, we've got some fantastic guests with us who we'll come to in just one second. But first of all, let me hand you over to Dave so he can tell you about how you can join in tonight with tonight's episode, which is more than just a student nurse. Dave? Hi, everyone. And thanks for that, Nikki. Yes. So if you want to join in tonight's conversation, as always, you've got a couple of options. The first one is you can make a comment on the Facebook live feed, which we would love to see. So if you've got any comments, questions, uh, anything to sort of highlight tonight, then we'd love to see that. The other way that you can join in is by commenting on Twitter. And all you have to do to make sure we see it is to do the hashtag MHTV. So uh, without further ado, back to you, Nikki. Fantastic. So let's come to both our guests. First of all, uh, Bethan, how, can you tell us just a little bit about yourself and introduce yourself just so people know who you are? So my name's Bethan. I'm part of the We Student Nurses team. I'm a current second year, almost third year children's and mental health nurse studying at the University of Leicester. Um, and yeah, a bit about myself. I'm really into research, so I'd like to go into nursing research maybe. <laughs> And I'm an avid ballroom dancer, as my Twitter handle would suggest when you <laughs> later on. <laughs> okay, thank you very much, Lucy. Hiya, I'm Lucy. I'm a third year adult student nurse from the University of Birmingham. Um, I get involved in far too many things, which is why I'm on the We Student Nurse team and on the RCN Students Committee and on my um, nurse SOC team as the academic officer uh, and run a blog and tweet all the time my uh, fiance often says can you have a day when you're not doing anything nursing and i'm like uh, maybe watching <laughs> nursing um i'm interested in people with multiple health difficulties and trying to sort of make the system better for them because at the moment it's not the best i know from experience and they interested in public health. When I have that spare moment when I'm not doing nursery things, I like reading and playing board games and Pokemon Go. Yeah. I feel like we've got a very rounded, rounded guest panel. Thank you very much. So just tell us, what's this last year or so been like for student nurses? What's, what's that been like? I don't mind your answers, just go for it. Uh, I think we can agree that it's been a year. It's been yeah. 18 months. Yeah. Um, so, well, it's been tough. There's nothing else really to say. Mm. Um, you know, it's been different for different unis. I mean, personally, for me, I don't feel like I've stopped since March last year. Mm. Um, and that's just because of the way things panned out for me. Lots of other students, I think, feel the same. Um, but yeah, it's I think especially because well, it was tough for me because I was a first year, so I wasn't like old. I wasn't. I wasn't experienced enough to go out and help. So mm. there was a lot of limbo going on mm. for a while. And even mm. when we did know what was happening in the end, it still felt mm. like we were constantly catching up. Mm. So I think that's why it was stressful personally for me. Feels like things are getting a little bit better now, which is great. But mm. um, it feels like it's been a long old climb up a very big hill. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Lucy? What do you say? I'd echo quite a lot of what Bethan said, really. I myself was shielding, so I couldn't opt in. I was a second year when everything mm. kind of kicked off. 
um, and things have been a bit crazy for me in terms of mm. not first being stuck at home and feeling like I wasn't much of a help when I could have been a help because I couldn't opt in. Mm. That was one struggle. And we ended up doing like assignments early. So we did like our last second year assignment. And then right afterwards, we did our dissertation if we weren't opting in, which seemed like a really big leap. Um, mm. But it was also yeah. good in that we had that time to invest in a dissertation when we weren't on placement. Um, which was helpful but mm. after sort of the first lot of shielding ended things got very confusing <laughs> so we say um I hadn't finished my second year hours but I'd started my third year um coursework and we didn't really know where I could go out in placement they put me in critical care initially which mm. um Technically, according to the risk assessment, I was safe there. Um, but when I got there, everyone sort of panicked and said, you were shielding. Why have they put you in critical care? Um, which, valid question. Which is a valid <laughs> question. Technically, <laughs> they didn't have any COVID patients. They only had like an amber room where someone mm. could be COVID positive. Mm. Um, but it was all like uh, ventilators and stuff. So that's that is high risk. Um, mm -hmm. I ended up doing only four days over about two weeks and then I had to shield again anyway. So the whole like argument of whether or not I was safe to be there was kind of a moot point. Mm -hmm. um, but from then it felt like I'm kind of racing to uh, catch mm -hmm. up. And mm -hmm. they found safe spaces for me. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, I'm just constantly worried that I'm going to end up having to shield again, um, even though I've had both my vaccines now. Mm -hmm. There's a whole like weird disconnect between where I was in terms of my academic work and where I am in terms of my practical work, which made me feel like I was both a third year and also a second year mm. at the same time, mm. um, which was mm. tough. And all this, even though I've had like a lot of time off, mm. it's never felt like time off because I've always been worrying about how am I going to catch up? What's going to mm. happen? Will I be mm. safe? Can I? Eat? Will I even be able to go in the hospital? Will I even be able to go on a bus? Will I even be able to, you know, mm. my dad? <laughs> like, mm. it, it's been stressful and it's been difficult for me mm. in, in a whole different sense to the people who've actually been working in it. Mm. Mm. I think that's one of the reasons we wanted to talk to you guys from a we student nurses, particularly because not only do you have your own very varied experiences, but also you have a lot of conversation with student nurses from all over. And that I think is really helpful because it gives you quite a different perspective. I think one of the things is, you know, without something at your organisation, the student nurses get locked into what's happening very locally for them. And you never really understand what's happening for everybody else. So it's quite useful, I think, particularly as student nurses have a very different journey to other students. I mean, if you if you if you catch the uh, the program for an art student, and then you look at yours, you're like, wait, what? <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> what is going? They are never here. <laughs> so there's, there's a very different experience for you within universities, and I think, and then because you're geographically bound as well, very different, quite an isolating experience sometimes for some student nurses. So it's really helpful for us to see that. And I think when we spoke about this off air a little bit, you were talking about this falling down the gap between like uni and the NHS sometimes. So if you could tell me a little bit more about what you meant by that, because that's um, something really important for us to think about. 
Um, I think a lot of what we were talking about is about how there's not been that sort of set. This is where you end as a student and this is where you're a qualified nurse. Yeah. For one thing, for the people who opted in, mm. they were being paid and they were NHS employees, but still students. So there was a bit of a kind of disconnect there of, mm. okay, so when am I learning and when am I working? Mm. Do I do both at the same time? Am I mm. meant to be devoting this time to working and not mm. be actively trying to learn? And I know mm. that's something that a lot of students even if they haven't opted in have said that you know staffing is low morale is low there's lots of more people in hospitals and while it's getting better mm. there's still these issues and they're finding that maybe their supernumerary status is a bit unstable i think it's always been a bit unstable but more so than normal <laughs> in that they don't feel like they're getting those learning opportunities that they should be getting mm. um and i'm on the rcn students committee so we hear we hear a lot about that through that as well mm. um and we're trying to talk about like we didn't want the second time that everyone was called up to happen Mm. Um, we didn't really get a choice in the end the government decided it was going to happen but that's why we didn't because we were worried about yeah. these students not getting proper learning and then mm. when they do qualify do they have the same level of experience as a qualified nurse who qualified not during mm. the pandemic mm. well, I guess because we've not really had one for a long time nobody's going to know the answer to that are they but it's um it's it's a really interesting set of experience. So the experiences from the first year, sometimes we've had people who are really experienced as nursing assistants and other healthcare workers in the first year, then they've been told they can't go out. Other first years have gone out. Then some people have been asked to shield. Some people have been encouraged to take paying jobs. Then suddenly the money changed. And it, it's been a really complicated and confusing time, I think, for a lot of students. Um, and you said a little bit about what some of the students have been saying about that. What was what was the, the general feeling that you've come across around that kind of experience? I think uh, for, well, the way I've seen it is that there's mm. just a lot of uncertainty. And I think this pandemic mm. in particular has exacerbated issues that were already happening and mm. students were already complaining about. So things like um, I think a lot of student nurses, even before the pandemic, there was um, sort of a sentiment that your level of experience, like your quality of placement, vastly depended on area that you were mm. working in. Mm. And which obviously, as your student nurses, when you're applying for university, yeah. you're not necessarily going to know about until you're actually there. Think, and I yeah. think that was one thing. And then mm. when the pandemic happened because of staffing, that just made things significantly worse than they were before. Things like how Lucy was saying, supernumerary status. I've actually, even as someone who didn't go out, had ended up having an issue that had to go to the higher ups because my supernumerary status was massively compromised whilst on placement. Mm. Um, shouldn't have happened. The situation that happened should never have happened, but it did. And that yeah. was purely as a result of no of 
no staff basically so mm. I think again as much as maybe at the time it seemed like a good idea to get student nurses to come out and help I think it has definitely muddied where that line is when we are allowed to do something and when we're not allowed to do something and even mm. as things are getting better um, we're still hearing about students being expected to do things that they really shouldn't be allowed to do mm. um, and it's concerning mm. and it's stressful mm. for you at the time that it's happening and it's stressful for other students I mean it's nice in a way as the we student nurses community in a mm. way it's nice that we hear that it's happening everywhere and it's not just us but at the same yeah. time it's also the fact that oh wow it is actually happening everywhere this is a really big problem that needs to be addressed it's like mm -hmm. a concerning but nice thing at the same time <laughs> so yeah. reassuring that everyone's in the boat but the boat is leaking yeah okay okay so i mean obviously from what from what both you and lucy have been saying is people's learning has been challenging people's but it seems as well that people's well-being has been put under pressure i wonder if you could talk a little bit about that maybe about some of the strategies that you guys have, have, have put in place to help as well well personally for me i've had to take some time out <laughs> which seemed like a good idea at the time i'm feeling at the moment like maybe it wasn't as good an idea now mm. um, but no i had to take time out um because i had a family bereavement that ended up mm -hmm. spiraling more things, which mm -hmm. I won't mm -hmm. talk about. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's why I took the time away. Mm -hmm. um, but I think, like Lucy said, in that instance, yes, it was good for my mental well-being because I just simply couldn't cope with everything that was going off at home, mm -hmm. and placement and assignments, yeah. and the fact that I was on a catch-up program anyway because of the pandemic. Like it was just too much, and I just needed to stop. But now I'm in the situation that I still like that work. I still have to do those assignments. Mm. I still have to do, so I'm still having to catch up now over the summer. Mm. So in a way, it just feels like I genuinely haven't stopped since March last year, and I'm definitely mm. feeling burnt out now. But there's nothing mm. I can do about it because mm. I need to get these assignments done to pass to go into third year. Mm. Like I can't keep just putting it off. Mm. So, mm. Yeah, it's definitely better than it was, but mm. I don't know. For some people, I don't always think that taking a step out is the answer because you mm. still have to do the work in the end. It doesn't yeah. go away. So yeah. I think it's really important though that you recognise that for you, mm. it wasn't it wasn't safe for you to be in practice and you said so. It, I mean it is all incredibly worrying to find people who are experiencing burnout before they've actually qualified. <laughs> but I think the situation that we've been in, I'm not surprised to hear it. But I think, you know, it's a it's a really important role modeling thing that you're doing by saying when something is not possible, we need to stop. You know, you guys are absolutely the future, aren't you? And the things that you do to promote and protect your health are the things we should all be doing. So but I think you're right. It it, it causes a different set of problems, doesn't it? Pausing a program sometimes. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's definitely helped in terms of me being able to identify mm. when I'm I've got too much on. Yeah. I've a lot better at saying no to things because I think as student nurses, we're very good at saying yes to things, but we're not always the best at saying no. Um, so definitely for me, it was a learning experience in saying no 
And I think that's going to help me a lot in future endeavors anyway. Um, it will. Yeah. It's just stressful it at the time. <laughs> so, yeah. Absolutely. And what about for you? What was your experience, Lucy? Um, so for me, I actually found a lot of help in the wee student nurse community itself, mm. not just the community on Twitter, yeah. but the, our own sort of, we have a, a like a social chat um, that we go into. It was one of, when I was told to go home from critical care, one of the first things I did was go on that social chat and go, oh, just I'm so upset. Like I was in tears, I was, mm. I knew I could learn so much there. And I felt like I'd been let down. That was mm. one of the first places I went to, mm. um, apart from my dad. I'm trying to call you, which is not easy during pandemic when everyone's at home. Um, so uh, that was really, really helpful. And I think we try to share that with the the online community as well. So we have we've always had the student nurse mental health day mm. um, every year, where we just mm. devote to mental mm. health and things. Um, this year, I we all kind of take charge of a bit, I suppose. Um, so this year, I was in charge of getting the blogs together. Um, so we had lots of blogs of students talking about their own mental health and their mental health issues and how, like, their own coping strategies and how they manage with being a student nurse with a mental health issue. Mm. Um, and the sort of idea behind that was not to say, oh, God, look at all these student nurses who are falling apart, but to say, mm. look at all these student nurses who have these problems, but look, they're doing it, they're still doing it. They, mm. You know, we are strong. Mm. And I work on myself on imposter syndrome because that's mm. particularly this year a big, big issue that I've had. Mm. Um, and that's kind of where it came from that, I wanted to tell people this is how I've been feeling. You know, I know because I do lots of things that I'm probably like, if I was a first chair and I was like, oh, this person's RCN committee member for the West Midlands, they must like have it all together. They must know what they're doing. And I think it was about saying like, I, maybe it's not what it seems and maybe people are struggling and you don't know. Like, I think it can be, Twitter can be amazing for support and amazing for, like, saying your feelings as well. But it can also be difficult because you see what everyone else is doing. And a lot of the time, what people are do doing and saying are mm. the amazing things they're doing, the things that are going well. And that can make it really difficult when you're looking at that to say, mm. why am I failing? Mm. Well, that's how it feels. Like, why mm. am I failing? Mm. And you don't know that that person who's posted, oh, blessing day on placement by mentors said I did a really fantastic job. You don't know that, you know, they didn't, they aren't completely burnt out and stressed out and mm. crying in the toilets. You don't know what's really happening. Yeah. Um, and I think it was about recognising that mm. and also to, we did a, a sort of like word cloud thing um, mm. where people put in how they're feeling 
yeah. a lot of the things that were coming up for that were things like feeling under supported, feeling overwhelmed, feeling mm-hmm. like you didn't know what you were doing. And whilst yeah. looking at it, it was like, oh my God, I can't believe all these people are feeling like this. It's mm-hmm. also look, yeah. like Beth had said, look, but everyone is feeling like this. Mm-hmm. It's not just you. Mm. I think you've brought some really important points out there, like a ton of them, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and breathe, right. So, so some of the things that you were talking about. So I was really interested with you, what you were saying about, you know, the, sort of the nature of community, isn't it? So that idea about when you share, you share the good stuff, but you also can't help but compare. It's like that always goes on, doesn't it? And you see that, you know, I think the worst place is it for like kind of like the Facebook, Instagram, and you're like, that's not your real life. I know that's not your real life. <laughs> Well, and I think on Twitter, when people share, particularly nursing students, they're sharing when they've done something good. It's I often worry that nobody else is thanking them or recognizing them, and that you know Twitter and and you the work that you guys do. Sometimes it's the only per time that someone will go, "Oh, well done." I'll say, "I you know I did my first injection today," and everyone else will be like, "Yeah, hurry up," <laughs> and you'll be the only one there to say, "That was amazing. That's a milestone for you." So it's, it's, a, it's a really interesting thing. I'd like to talk a bit more about that community. But the thing I wanted to come back to first was, was when you were talking about imposter syndrome. I wondered if you could say a little bit more about that. Because clearly, you're leading in a different kind of way, both of you, aren't you, in terms of the way that you role model. You know, in the past, leaders were people who never did anything wrong, who were perfect, who were exactly what you say. You look at them from a great height. You look up to them. And that's, that's great. But it's not real, is it? It's leaders... You know, their washing machines break down. They cry when they get can't get a parking space. The kids don't like them. You know, they're, like, they're just like everybody else. Nobody's having this perfect life. And I think for leaders to, to demonstrate vulnerability is really important. Otherwise, nobody feels that they can do it or they feel they have to do it in this kind of like macho way, which is just not healthy for anybody, certainly not for the leader themselves. So tell me a little bit more about this. When, when you were talking about imposter syndrome, what do you, what do you mean by that? So... It's something I'd heard about a lot before I experienced it. And when I'd heard about it, I'd always just presumed, oh, it's just people having doubts. But for me, it wasn't just I feel doubts. It was I feel doubts, but it was also, it was like overwhelming. Mm. It was like, I felt that I'm not good enough. I don't know anything. How can I ever be a nurse? I don't know anything. I'm going to mess everything up. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'd had this big gap, I was thinking, oh, because I'll have forgotten everything I know already. Mm-hmm. I'll go into placement and I'll think, oh, she's a virgin, she can do everything, and I won't be able to do anything. And mm-hmm. it was just like this constant, constant panic. Mm-hmm. That it was like, why am I doing this? How, how am I doing this? And it seemed, mm-hmm. it felt to me like it came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. But kind of when I look back and I sort of and almost analyze it I see that actually it wasn't just that like suddenly I've decided that I was rubbish it was that uh, uh, various things like meeting together mm. and that like I knew I was going back out in placement mm. I just started third year some third year a set of third year lectures which were like mm. the last lectures Mm. So it was like, you're almost qualified now, even though I've done no third year hours. Mm. And um, it was also, I found, it's when I found out about my job. It's, um, 
the twist for that they more or less guarantee you a job when you're qualified yeah. you do placement there mm. which is amazing like mm. feel very lucky fantastic mm. but that I was then told oh yeah you've got a job in this place that you chose where you want to work mm. and I was like ah I can't do this <laughs> too much I can't do this yeah. um so it's kind of yeah when I look back on it and I analyze it I realized that mm. Maybe it was an overreaction, but it wasn't an illogical reaction. Mm. It was like mm. a lot of things coming together that maybe if they didn't all come at the same time, I wouldn't have mm. panicked and I would have been fine. Mm. But they did. Mm. And I think you guys are very tough on yourselves <laughs> in the middle of a global pandemic. <laughs> I don't want to say chill out, but chill out. <laughs> you are really hard on yourselves. So your standards are up here, and that's amazing. But like, I, I wonder if, and I know this is not my, it's not my idea, I'm sure I've heard it from somebody else, but you know, with imposter syndrome, you know, I think sometimes we're taught to carry that within ourselves, like we're not good enough. But I think sometimes imposter syndrome is a sign that the, the world around you isn't quite right. It's not you that's the problem. So the, 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 the description you're giving is of somebody who's, who is not as supportive as, as supported as they might be, not as encouraged as they might be. You know, I don't think that from what you've described, that, that it's a syndrome that's a problem with you or any other individual, particularly individual student nurses. I think it's an issue with us not taking care of our own best, not taking care of our own students the way that we should, you know, either in practice and, and in universities and valuing you the way that you should be valued, because it is a very bizarre time that all of us are in and it's unprecedented for sure but that's no excuse exactly as Beth was saying the issues that are coming to the surface are the same issues we're seeing in society problems that were there before but now look way worse now they've got a spotlight on them um we've got a couple of questions coming are you okay for me to ask away none of them are maths you'll be pleased to know don't worry <laughs> um we've got a hello from Alfonso from Italy hello um we've got a question from Mushtag so hello, Mustag, friend of the show, naturally. Um, how do you introduce yourself? And do you add that you're just a student nurse? How do you how do you do that? So there's there's a few questions here. So she wants to ask about, you know, when you introduce yourself, how you do that. Um, and this idea about authenticity and identity in nursing, she'd like to, to get into a little bit. And and this idea as well, what do you do outside nursing to bring in that growth? So there's a fair few questions. We'll come back to them. There's a few more as well. And some from Adrian, we'll get to those too. <laughs> So tell me a little bit about how you introduce yourself when you go up to somebody. Well, there is the classic, hello, my name is. Mm -hmm. um, I never say that I'm just a student nurse because I hate that anyway. I think mm. that's why I use it as part of student nurse mental health day. Because mm. yes, you're a student, yes, you're there to learn, but you're not just. And it's quite sad when you get placements where they refer to you as the student. It's like, no, I have a name. Please it's heartbreaking it. when you're actually you're wearing like your name <laughs> on you and they're yeah, like you. Yeah, when you a badge as well, that they should like, this is my name, please use it. Uh, yeah, no, so I always just say, hello, I'm Bethan, I'm, I do say I'm a student, so they don't have any unrealistic expectations of what I'm <laughs> My expectation's do. key. Yeah, lower the expectation. Um, and then I just, yeah, go on with whatever I'm, meant to be doing with them I mean because I'm doing mental if I'm doing mental health that's probably just me having a chat with the person because that's 
tends to be what you do <laughs> a lot of the time. It's a lot. Mental of health nurses do not tweet in about that. <laughs> um, I know you do more than that. I know you do more than that. But yeah, no. Experience is a lot of talking. It's yeah. therapeutic talking, but it's a lot of talking. Yeah. It's connection. So, yeah, exactly. And then if it's the kids, it's you know just yeah. depending on the age obviously yeah. if they're an 18 year old i'd basically well if they're a 16 to 18 year old i'd treat them like an adult basically mm. but still yeah it's just having that normal yeah. whatever yeah. interaction yeah. 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 Well, you, Lucy, are you a, are you a student nurse hello my name is how are you how do you introduce yourself um, yeah pretty much the same really i say hi i'm lucy i'm a student nurse working on this area today mm. Um, one of the student nurses. Um, usually, if I'm going to be doing something, I do ask. I I've done this before, but are you okay for a student to do it? Mm. Because I know some people like. I used to have the worst needle phobia. No way would I let a student nurse come near me with a needle. I want like the most practiced professional person there. Although now as a, someone who's a nurse, I probably wouldn't want the matron to do the needle because most of the time they're not on the ward. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's how I usually do it. No, just, I used mm. just once in my first year and I got told off by the nurses for it. Well done, nurses. You're like, you are a proper <laughs> nurse. <laughs> uh, again, the other question she wants to ask is about... Um, about your identity and how do you grow, what your ambitions are, and do you identify as leaders? I mean, I mean, people tell me I'm a leader a lot. Hmm. <laughs> you are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Including Lucy, it would seem. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think, yeah, it's the whole like imposter syndrome kind of thingy. I'm never, it's never come for me though from a, place of anxiety mm. really more come of a, from a place of disbelief Go on. like I just genuinely like even with we student nurses like I don't mm. understand how I got here mm. and how it's going as well as it is <laughs> basically I think it's yeah I think I have a lot of self-doubt in myself mm. and then mm. when good things happen to me I'm mm. like why is it happening um you know what bad thing's going to happen to counteract this good thing that's come along mm. um yeah so it's it's often like yeah it just comes from a place of disbelief but yes i know i am a leader i have to remind myself i am sometimes yeah. um but yeah i think and i think in terms of being a leader the the thing i care about the most and i think why people consider me to be a leader is i always try and be authentically myself and I like to display what's all my flaws as well, because like you were saying earlier, like nobody yeah. is perfect. And I really don't like it when people think that leaders are perfect because it's mm. just realistic and it's a very mm. unrealistic expectation of people in general. Mm. So, yeah, so I've always made it my mission, especially with student nursing stuff. Mm. Actually, I think another thing that happens is toxic prodigy productivity which comes in line with imposter syndrome where basically mm. loads of student nurses on social media absolutely killing it all the time and i have mad respect for these people mm. you see have their lives together but 
I actively broadcast that that is not my life. Mm. It never will be my life. Um, and yeah, and I think a lot of people get caught up in social media in particular, mm. um, having to portray this perfect image of themselves. Mm. Toxic productivity is, is basically showing that you're constantly on it, that you're constantly achieving, mm. that everything's mm. great and you're never showing Mm. the other side which is probably that you failed quite a lot as well to get to where you are yeah yeah so. absolutely um adrian's got a question i wonder if you could have both have a have a, have a go at it he's talked about the imposter syndrome it's this issue of kind of justifying yourself to yourself um mm. yeah and, and to both guests i guess we'll come to lucy first what advice would you give to potential student nurses to gain the most through their course now you're at the end what would you say, Lucy? Um, I think, well, this feels bad after Bethan's just talked about like too much productivity, but do get involved in things. I think like for me, part of it is to do with like having done a degree before and being a mature student. But I always feel like I'm the one with my hand up. I'm the one volunteering for things. I'm the one, you know, getting involved. And I feel like I've, gained more from doing that than if I was in lectures making notes and revising from books at home. Like, yeah, people, some people will get something from that, but for me, getting properly involved mm. was, I've learned just so much from getting involved with the community, from mm. you know, meeting other student mm. nurses from different universities where their programmes mm. are a bit different and they're learning new things and sort of getting involved with other people as well. Now as a third year, I'll be trying to like teach first year's things. And I find personally that I learn, I learn well when I teach other people. So it's not about me trying to like be the boss of a first year. It's about like, <laughs> this is actually helping me to learn as well. Yeah, um, absolutely. Definitely. Although, yeah. Although having talked about the pandemic, I'm surprised what some students have not been taught while they've been online learning, such as I had to teach someone how to take a pulse the other day, which you would think is a fairly basic nursing skill, but they've just never been taught it because all their lessons are online. And I don't yeah. blame them for that. Mm. If anything, I blame their uni because you probably could teach someone how to take a pulse online. Mm. Um, but yeah, for me, like getting involved, I need to learn how to say no myself, but do like, yeah, get involved. <laughs> okay, so getting involved was, was your suggestion to getting through the course and actually getting as much effort as possible. What would you say, Bethan? Um, I'd say just make sure you find that support network that's going to help you get through, whether it's online or whether it's in person. I think mm -hmm. one of the main driving forces for me to not just postpone a year was mm. my classmates. Um, yeah. And I know it's been quite hard for the years below because a lot of them haven't actually ever met their other mm. courses, which is completely insane to me. But obviously that's the world that we've lived yeah. in for the last 18 months. Yeah. But to be honest, those were, they were my motivators to keep going because I wanted to graduate with them. I didn't want to be left behind and, you know, they made me feel supported the whole way through. The same yeah. with the nurses team as well. You know, mm. I've always felt like 
100% supported with whatever I want to do with them. Mm. So yeah, mm. make yourself a group of people that will Definitely. basically be your cheerleaders in the corner that will get Absolutely. you Absolutely. That seems and, tough. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't, um, I'm not going to lie and say, mm. you know, nice and easy. It's not, mm. it's, but it's, yeah. as long as you've got that base of people to support you, then you mm. should be fine. Brilliant. And talking of cheerleaders, I think it's our time to come to Dave. <laughs> He's not got his pom-poms tonight, I'm afraid. <laughs> They're just out, out of arm's reach tonight, I'm afraid. And being, being professional, I won't, I won't grab them. Uh, I suppose it's been really fascinating to listen to the conversation. Mm. And I suppose one of the things that's kept popping into my head is how much overlaps with some of the issues that we've been discussing on episodes recently uh one of them very much is kind of the politics of nursing and the discussions last week we had about nurses as a protected title and i suppose that's the bit about how we think of ourselves as authentic professionals that you know have this important role to to perform i suppose one of the questions i've got is at what point do you think students accept that they're going to be a nurse so I'm thinking back to my own kind of education, which feels much longer ago than, than hopefully it was, and kind of feeling like, kind of like halfway through the third year, I probably started feeling like I could be, and I was a nurse, I could be in charge of delivering care. And kind of, do you pick up what time that is now? And has it got later with COVID? Have we kind of got to the point where people are qualifying and feeling very much like they're not ready to be in charge of, delivering care. Mm. Go on, Bethan. Um, well, for me, I think I knew I was going to be a nurse when I decided that I wasn't just going to drop out after everything that had happened and I carried on. Um, but I still don't feel ready to look after people. So it's a bit of a weird one. I think we were saying earlier, I think there will be with the pandemic, especially a lot of people who will graduate and still not feel ready. Um, on the other hand, because of the pandemic, I also think that a lot of students will have already had the experience of managing a ward on their own, whether they were supposed to or not. Yeah. Um, so I think you might also find that there's also a group of student nurses who actually feel like, well, I've gotten through the pandemic. I've done all this on my own already. I'm practically a nurse now. I mm. can definitely do it when I finished. Mm. Um, so I think that there'll definitely probably those two groups of people, mm. I think. Okay. I Lucy? don't know which one I'm going to fall into. <laughs> You're breaking up a tiny bit, Bethan. So we'll, we'll come to Lucy. Um, okay. For me, it felt like a bit of a weird dips and flows thing. I think um, I decided I wanted to be a nurse after I had a heart operation. Um, and it wasn't specifically the heart operation that made me have that choice. Um, but I think the, uh, mm. all of these health conditions I've had and I spoke about earlier, mm -hmm. I think, um, mm. that 
it's um, knowing what it's like to be a patient mm. and wanting to improve things for people like me. Um, mm. And that is, that's kind of been my driving factor the whole way through. Mm. I briefly considered children's nursing, which would have been mm. a bit different. <laughs> but um, I think for me, that's when I decided when I felt like a nurse. It's mm. been a bit more up and down. My adult placement in first year, our placements had our uni does one mental health, one child, one adult. Yeah. So mm -hmm. my adult placement, I remember just doing something and I was like, oh, I feel like this is right, you know? Mm -hmm. like, this mm -hmm. This is what I want to do. I can't even remember what the specific thing I was doing was, but it felt mm. like validating, I suppose. Mm. Um, and from then, I suppose it's mainly gone up, apart from like my my trouble with imposter syndrome and mm. being generally on the up. And mm. I think the point on that now, I feel. I won't say ready. My mentor says I'm ready, but I'm not sure I'm ready. <laughs> I don't know if anyone ever feels completely ready, you know. It's a weird one. And I think if you do feel, like, incredibly ready, you probably haven't really understood what you're being asked. You know, I don't know. Every day you learn, don't you? Every day you grow, and every day you need to be careful that you're not overstepping what you're safe to do, but that you're pulling your weight as far as you can. It's a, It's always a negotiation, I think. Dave, did you have one last question? Because we're going to need to finish up soon. Yeah, I suppose it's a, a bit of a selfish one in terms of uh, what can qualified nurses do to support student nurses really well whilst on placement? Because just thinking about I've been a qualified nurse a few weeks ago running a placement for students and uh, wanting to know how I can do it better. I think for me at least it's about giving that support there's definitely been differences between where i felt like i'm left very much to my own devices to work out what i'm doing mm. and there's been times when i felt like i'm just following my mentor around like a little lost puppy mm. um, which isn't like you learn stuff like that but it's still not the most like supportive environments I think for me it's about maybe pushing pushing them to try but not you know pushing them over the edge as it were. <laughs> I think we have our first t-shirt there <laughs> absolutely I can see Beth and you're blinking your back <laughs> did you catch the question is what can what can qualified staff do to support you guys yeah um I think um yeah, similar to what Lucy said, just mm. just look at your students. Like it sounds really simple, but mm. we've had so many examples of clearly it just isn't. <laughs> uh, but it is, it's just, you know, just keep an eye on them. We like yeah. to be left a lot of the time for mm. devices, but at the same time, mm. um, not completely left alone. Mm. Um, so yeah, and just tell us we're doing a good job. I can't actually remember the last time someone on placement. I, I know it's because everyone's busy, but I actually can't remember the last time mm. someone said, I've done a good job today. 
and you know just little things like that are genuinely like might seem trivial to you as a nurse but genuinely make our day when we've been told we've done well so yeah that makes perfect sense and to be honest it's such a small ask it's kind of embarrassing that that's not happening <laughs> but I think saying thank you is something that we're not great at in the NHS you know we have this expectation that everyone will just do be amazing all the time without really thinking what that costs and being grateful for it really sometimes so let's come around to everybody for sort of like our, our sort of final thoughts so we'll come to Dave first if there's anything you wanted to, to ask or finish up that's fine yeah, I suppose just on that point about sort of saying thanks and uh, appreciating other people. Uh, uh, I had a student that I worked with a few times at the vaccination centre recently, and when she left, she sort of sent a letter to my boss saying, you know, what a good mentor I'd been. And, and that really made a difference to me as well, really kind of reminded me about the, the influence that you can have and the fact that you know, getting that positive feedback means that you try even harder next time. So, you know, I'd, I'd kind of say it's great to have that two-way conversation, isn't it? Because at the end of the day, you know, we want to be supporting the student nurses of the future to be excellent student nurses, but excellent nurses, not just because we're going to be working alongside you, but also mm -hmm. because you're going to be looking after us. So, you know, we want to do a, a great job to support you through that. So, yeah, mm -hmm. that's probably my thoughts to, to finish on, Nikki. Lucy, what do you have any I'll say last words, but yeah. <laughs> um, I think I want to say being a student nurse can be really, really tough. Sometimes it feels like you've got, well, if you're working three full-time jobs at the same time, um, but part of that struggle is part of what makes you know that, yes, this is right, this is worth it, and... Hmm thinking about like the little things like for me the little thing that makes me know that it's right is when I see that patient who feels better for something I've done even if it's just you know making them a cup of tea and giving them you know a pat on the arm mm. if it makes them feel better then for me I've done my job properly and it's worth me being there absolutely absolutely Bethan We've lost your sound. Uh, <laughs> Unless you can sign, you can pop it in the chat box. <laughs> I guess um, for finishing up from this side of things, um, thank you both so much. I mean, hearing your experiences has been really useful. Um, and for student nurses out there, we are tweeting um, the contact details. So if you watch this in any other form, please do get in touch with... Um, with all you student nurses and seek your support there. Bethan's last message was, sorry, my internet was terrible. <laughs> Bethan, we know. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so other, other internet providers are available. But so thank you tonight, guys, for um, really sharing and being so open about this experience, isn't it? Because exactly as you say, social media is often this place where everything is perfect instead of everything is human and everything is complicated. So whatever it is that um, staff can do, please take some time out and make sure you remember, if we want more student nurses, we need to grow them. So let's try and get them out of the door and part of the um, part of the staffing um, in a supportive and um, encouraging way, because that's what we need, isn't it? Treat, treat, treat people how we want to be treated ourselves. So thank you both very much. And thank you very much, guys, for watching. It's been lovely to speak with you again tonight. Take care. Good night. See you next week. Bye -bye. Bye -bye. Oh,
Thank you.